It's Wednesday, June 8th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 403 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 53 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Wayne. This is Brodor. My name's Chad. This is Sergeant Dan. All right, a couple quick announcements. Uh, Pulp Gamer Network, as many of you know, we've been with them for years, and they're shutting down. <laughs> Success! <laughs> so Wait, what? <laughs> so yeah, with Pulp, I act all innocent. Wait, Pulp Gamer Network though? Do, were, they did like all the recordings for uh, for the Gamma Trade and, Show. Yeah, yep. Uh-huh. All those. Oh no! Yep. What's going to happen? Yeah, there were actually talk? a lot of really mm-hmm. good shows on there. Yeah. We crushed them. So. With them, the weight of fear of the boot yeah. held them down with such an anchor. That's right. <laughs> That's well, why you fear the boot. That's right. With them going away, we've now reached out to RPG Academy Network, and you can find a link to them in the show notes. And we're going to be joining their network so we can put our boot to their throats until they can't stand it anymore. <laughs> God, That's, I love this industry. That's terrible. <laughs> You'd like it. So our other announcement is it's that time of year again for us to make fun of the name of a convention in Kansas City mm. because Tsunami Con is coming up again. We made uh, fun of Tsunami Con. I seem to remember we've I made, made fun of Tsunami Con every year because I, they're in Kansas and their and name is no Tsunami. tsunami. That's the joke. I couldn't remember what the joke was. I remember making fun of them, but I'm like, Tsunami? There's nothing yeah. wrong with Tsunami. Yeah, you're in Kansas. And really, that many gamers together could probably use a wave of water washing over them. Anyway. Uh, so TsunamiCon is in Kansas. It is the annual convention, mm-hmm. October 7th to 9th, and their Kickstarter has just launched. So you can find a link to the Kickstarter and the convention in the show notes, and you can rest assured that next year we'll make fun of their name again. Oh. Are you kidding? I want to go to TsunamiCon, and then I want to run a FEMA LARP. Right? Like, I want to run a Tsunami was so bad, it hit Kansas. Right? And so everyone's going to get doled out their little character right. sheet about, you know, what kind of victim they are, or what kind of FEMA worker they are, or if they're a roving band of looters. Right? Like, I want to run that now you gotta have play the theme in trailer yeah. in the parking yeah. lot. I think, oh god that would be absolute f-ing blast that would be amazing i would totally play in that too all right there we go the female larp yeah at tsunami con <laughs> i'll bring my gas mask yeah it's a larp it's a larp yeah, yeah. yeah for sure and, and we yeah. own guns yeah oh and- we we own a lot of guns like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. i liked that ominous laugh <laughs> that kind of <laughs> it's funny but it's so true you didn't, you didn't see me shooting up thompson on the Oh, on Facebook. It's a glorious weapon. Oh, it is. It's so much fun. Mm. Our church group went out and we checked out shoot weapons. <laughs> well, God bless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when you say Thompson, you mean like the old gangsters? It was a 19, uh, World War II yeah. vintage, 1940s. I fired one, I fired one in Vegas oh, uh, at the gun sweet. store. And oh my God. I, I, mean, I put 300 rounds to that thing. Oh, boater inducing. <laughs> so Sergeant uh-huh. Dan, you've been on the show before, but have you ever actually been in the room on the mics? No. Because I think this is the first time you've been in here. Yes. Uh, is it as underwhelming as it seems to <laughs> us? Mm. It's well, very beige. Are you kidding? It's like a gamer's brain in here, right? Like, it's disorganized beige, stand and organized. Hot. It's cleaner than my house. <laughs> <laughs> There's game stuff everywhere. Trash, oh. junk. Uncomfortable chairs and a Just small an, table. an explosion yeah. of imagination. It's glorious. Yeah. So what are you uh, doing in town? I'm going to oh, nice be at DrewCon. So... I think DrewCon was great. It was awesome. We had a bunch of games. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. I know at least a couple of the hosts are going to be there, so I'm sure we'll have uh, more episode fodder after the con's actually over. But for this week, Brodor? Oh, so a few weeks ago. So where's uh, Dan at? Not That's Sergeant a great Dan. question. Did you kill him again? I don't kill him again. The gimp uh, was music is running. <laughs> was, that, was that the body swinging from the tree? No, no, no. There's too much that we need Dan to do. You don't kill him. You just wrap him up in duct tape for a while. Ooh, kinky. Yeah. He oh, likes a Japanese rope dress with duct tape. <laughs> That's disturbing. <laughs> I'm sure there's a picture of it on the internet. Did I ever tell you that I actually went to a Japanese rope tying thing at a uh, you convention? Did. You did. Not on the mics, but. Ah, well, now it's on the mics. I went to a Japanese rope tying thing, and yes, it is the adult rope tying thing. Hmm. It was Not interesting. Like square knots or no Boy Scout badges? No, it was an eighteen and up panel. Oh, okay. With demonstration, I've hmm. got a friend who would be very into that. 
I don't think I would be, but that wasn't what you wanted to talk about. I've divulged enough about my personal <laughs> life on this show. Um, no, so anyway, yeah, a few weeks ago we were recording an episode and somebody, I think it was Chad, made a recommendation about handing your players index cards and asking them to write down three or so elements about the game that mm-hmm. they would like to see further explored. And I was like, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that on my D&D game. And so... Uh, a few weeks ago for my once a month D&D game, uh, I did that and have been trying to work on some of the suggestions that the players had made. But it worked out really, really well on a couple of avenues. Um, nothing that uh, nothing that anyone wrote down was too terribly surprising about, oh, I hadn't even considered that this needed further explanation or exploration in the game. But it was interesting to see the characters with their different backgrounds and their different political ideologies and their different alignments sort of kind of crossing over. And, you know, two or three of the five players would say, all independently, I would like to explore some aspect of this particular area that you have outlined. Or this NPC who started out not being a big deal, but now is a big deal. I'd really like to hear that person's background. Can you give us an example of something someone actually wrote? There's an enormous forest on the continent that they're at called Anwen, and the elves just refer to it as Anwen, like it's its own entity. And in fact, they encountered their first elf in the game almost as a result of one of the answers to this question, right? But they're like, hey, so what's going on in the Anwen? What's going on with the elves? What is their culture like? So I used that as a little seed. So now they actually encountered their first elf. Um, and I was able to work it in. I won't bore you with the gaming story, but I was able to work it in with a political situation that has arisen between their empire and one of the native this tribes. This is the colonialism. The theme of the game is colonial expansionism, right? And so the nation that they're from has a small town, a small foothold on this continent. And, you know, a decade or more ago, they, you know, conquered the largest of these native tribes and they've sort of co-opted the native tribe and are now mining for resources, expanding, blah, blah, blah. And my players are part of this sort of military Lewis and Clark expeditionary force, right? So any which way, and I know that's way too much game story, but it allowed me to mine them for ideas on things that they want to explore. Another is this NPC diplomat by the name of Jotham Vera, which initially was not important in the game, but there was a party being held by one of the local military commanders, and it was being held in this diplomat's honor, and my friend Brent, his character, who is a bard, by the way, and an excellent bard, didn't get invited to the party. Wayne's like, I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) And and because he didn't get invited to the party, the players were like, okay, who's this Jotham Vera guy, and why didn't we get invited to his party? And he was in control of the guest list. And it's become this thing, so so much so that he's Jotham Vera's kind of been in the background, but now my players are like, okay, who is this cat? Yeah. And why is he here? And out of four of the five people, their characters in character, they absolutely love the guy. Like, I mean, he's mm-hmm. just the go-to super charismatic, wonderful guy, pro party. In fact, they were getting chewed out by one of the military commanders and he came to their defense, but <laughs> the bard is still so slighted that he was not invited to this party. I love he's it. convinced that he's a villain and that, you know, that all these terrible things that are occurring. Because the are... bard is the center of attention. Yeah. yeah. Right, 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 right. Did but... the bard at least crash the party? No. Oh. No, 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 no. Because he has enough respect and discipline for the military commanders in this town called Thiedholm that he wasn't going to cross them. It's like, okay, I wasn't invited to your stupid party. I'll throw my own bash. So I was about to cut him down as a bard until oh, no. he threw his own no. bash. So yeah. he's got tons of money because two of the players in the party are playing native. They're members of this tribe called the Cathbed, right? Mm-hmm. The tribe that was subjugated and dominated by these Lithuanian imperialists, right? And they're basically, they don't have money in their culture. They don't really understand what money is for and why it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever they are paid, they give their money to Brent's character to be managed. Who seems to like it a lot. <laughs> right. He loves money, right? Because money buys him trim, money buys him alcohol, yeah. right? So he just, he throws this enormous bash for the town, like crazy, out of control, debauched, blah, 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 sort of the counterparty, if you will. But anyway... They gave me a variety of different ideas that, you know, my character would like to see more of this. I hadn't even considered, I mean, I had, but it really wasn't important to me for them to go back to the Lithuanian home continent and go to the capital city. And one of the savages or one of the tribesmen, he, you know, on his card, he's like, I would love to go there. 
Not for a just minute, a play- I thought you were just describing your players yeah. as savages. <laughs> what are the savages? Uh, one, of the, one of the savages is like, I, I want to go there, right? Yeah. You've built this rich world. I would love to see the empire that started this, mm-hmm. not only because it would be fun to see what you've created, but also as a savage, as someone who has been dominated by these people, right? Who's you know, entire culture has been, you know, upheaved because of what they've done. I would like to go back and be that savage, Mm -hmm. you know, that stranger in the strange land and explore that avenue, which was really, to me, not an important part of the game. It was about exploring the land that some of the people knew as being natives and exploring the land as these imperialists. But, you know, now I'm trying to work out, okay, so what kind of story arcs can I do to bring them back to the capital city so they can go back to the empire and see what that's like? So how often do you think you'd do something like this? Um, I got to tell you, I only run this game once a month. Um, in fact, we just met on Saturday last week. I think that I'm probably going to try to do it maybe every three or four sessions. You know, maybe, you know, once a quarter, you know, once every you know, every few months. Well, to even kind of, if you're playing once a month, even every year, because that's only 12 sessions. Right. And, and, and I can see if you're running a weekly game to do it every 12 sessions or so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If I ran a weekly game doing it every three months. And I think that the problem that I'm going to run into is that with five players and three suggestions per player even when you've got overlapping I'm still going to run into a situation where I as the game master I still need to pick and choose because I only have so much time especially Mm -hmm. if you have what happened last game session where the bulk of the game is a conversation after a combat encounter right where we didn't get a lot of exploration done it was just a tremendous amount of really really remarkable role playing the way i see is as a game master you're already looking at movies at books at everything you have in your life for you know inspiration now you're just looking at your players too right these are just more things you add in. I wouldn't do everything that they suggest anyway. Well, and where do you get overlapping too? That's perfect. Right. Because then you got buy-in from at least two, three, four people. Now that they've encountered the self, right? And they captured him and they, he ended up being the only surviving enemy combatant in this encounter. Because again, I won't bore the audience mm-hmm. with the gaming story, but basically they had overwhelmed some enemy tribesmen from another peripheral tribe that had murdered a few Lithinians at this lumber camp. Anyway, they were with an elf, and so they capture him, they capture the enemy leader who they had met months ago in-game, and months ago, actual real-world time, end up executing her, executing all of her tribesmen, companions, and combatants, and what have you, but they ended up letting the elf go. So now, they encounter this elf, they learn a little bit about the elven culture, a little bit about, you know, where they come from, why they're involved, and now... They're like, okay, so, hmm, this guy disappeared. Now I've got an NPC for the future that can come back and I can further bring them into sort of the Anwen forest and the elven culture, et cetera. So it gave me a nice foothold. It gave me a really good frame of reference. Did you just ask what are things you'd like to explore? Or did you also put in there like, what are some criticisms or ways to improve the game? So I did not do criticisms, no. Mm -hmm. Basically, I presented it as... I would really appreciate your guys' suggestions in terms of things that I have neglected in the game. Mm. Seeds that I have planted but really haven't come to fruition, right? So what are the things that we've touched on that you'd really like to see you know, more involvement with. Mm -hmm. And so that's the direction that I went. Now, if I was going to do it more frequently, I think criticisms or observations about the game or how to improve that, I think is a good idea. But, you know, the people I game with, and I think this is true of a lot of gamers, is that you run into a situation where we're extremely opinionated and we're very vocal about things, but we're also very sensitive to having our feelings hurt and we don't want to hurt other people's feelings. So we're not necessarily as constructively critical about our friends and their games as we could be. Hmm. Another thing too is to go ahead and email me. Right. Don't do it there at the table. Where any criticisms or, or stuff like that, that way it's not done at the table and nobody's ganging up on you yeah. or I all mean, of a sudden everybody's I like the time the to massage my advice and feedback right. in an email where I can word it even in, though in its most brutal and cutting <laughs> manner instead right. of just yeah. Thinking it well, off, off email the doesn't always have tone, but <laughs> still, if you take a little more time to think about it, sometimes you can yeah. find better words to get your message through 
that aren't quite as cutting. Well, and mm-hmm. I think that I would be harder on myself than they would be. And yeah. I can see things at the table that I should have handled differently. Just reading somebody's body language, mm-hmm. you know, during the course of the game, just going, oh, you know what? I really I always kick myself I, in the butt afterwards. I, I really screwed that up. I should yeah. have done this differently. I mean, one of my players, I feel bad for him. He's playing this cleric of Agathom, this war god, but they dubbed him the arch capitulator like, <laughs> because he's got this weird duality of out of combat. He doesn't make any sense, right? Mm-hmm. His character doesn't make sense for what he is. But then when you're in a combat encounter, he is awash with the fortune and glory of the God of <laughs> so war. So he's like I a, mean, a complete yeah, wimp. Like he just can't. Afraid, he, yeah. But he until just, he gets into combat. Right. Right. I mean, you know, he, it's a strange juxtaposition mm-hmm. that nobody at the table that understands. And they actually start sort of making fun of him for it. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I probably should, you know, cut that out and nip it sure. in the bud. Cause it got a little, it got a little too much last game session. Now, mm-hmm. is it the way he's playing his character or is it him personally? No, it's the way he's playing his character. It has nothing to do with his, with him personally, or, you know, the core member, Members of that group, for the six of them, actually game together regularly outside this once a month group, and he games with them. So they all get along. It's all great. Mm-hmm. It's just that his character concept is very. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, you know his behavior doesn't make a lot of sense uh, until we honestly, get to a fight. it makes old football player Ray Nitschke sweet man. If you ever met him in person, nicest guy in the world. But when he was on the football field. He was a monster. Yeah. Mm. He'd rip your head off as to look at you. Right. And I almost see that character being that if he's not in combat, yeah, he's meek, he's mild, very affable, Mm. probably does not want to fight. But as soon as the fight happens. Right. Then he's completely in. Well, and all right, Jason, if you're listening to this episode, (laughs) please don't take this the wrong way. He's not affable. He's weak. Yeah. He's just, he's just weak and capitulating and you know he's just like oh well you know i guess uh, da, 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 da. oh no we shouldn't do that and yada 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 what is the yada, god yada, of yada, battle yada. not the uh, god of negotiation uh, oh, wait, did somebody draw swords yeah. oh this shit is on because <laughs> <laughs> you're getting killed and it's gonna be <laughs> glorious <laughs> it's just i like that but it's strange because it's almost like the confessionals we talked yeah. about yeah you're not sorry. I don't know. It's like this dirty hippie peacenik. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, shit, I love guns. Let's do this. Let's go mow down the indigenous people. You know? <laughs> Honestly, I really how like do, the sound yeah. of that character. I, I, how do you I'm get through the seminary? Yeah. Yeah. How do you get through that seminary? Well, that's the weird thing. Like, I don't know. He's just like this weird anti-war pacifist. It, and actually, for the game master, you know, you're talking about mm. for the players to give the game master. Another thing for the game master to do, for like your friend there, I got one question. Right. How did your character get through seminary? Yeah. And then have the character explain. Well, it's it's the same thing that my doctor tells me that I'm going to run into. It's alcohol-induced dementia, right? Like, <laughs> his character's a drunk. Yeah. Right? And so I just, I wonder if the passivity comes from laziness. Like, I'm so yeah. drunk, I just don't have the energy to put up a verbal fight. Mm-hmm. But if it comes to a real fight, well, then He's I have up. boundless or, energy. Well, I liken it to Chad. Oh. Chad doesn't like combat in games necessarily. Not really, no. But most of his characters tend to be combat monsters mm-hmm. because when the combat happens, he's going to go in there and he's going to end the combat. Yeah. You know, people make this mistake about me that, oh, I don't like crunch and I don't like rules and I don't like combat that I'm bad at math. I'm not bad at math. I'm pretty actually pretty decent at math. It's just It just bores me and doesn't yeah. interest me. Some but of Chad's is- characters are some of the... Biggest min-max characters yeah. I've seen. What is combat except an algebra equation? Well, it kind of helps when you go to the forums and go, hey, somebody make this character for oh, me. Oh, well, there's yeah. always somebody better than you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, you might as well dip into yeah, that I, well. I, I call them my players. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, it's not a competition. I have no pride oh, in this. It's, I mean, I just got the encounter we had on Saturday night. I mean, it was fun, and I had all the miniatures out, and the terrain and the table was beautiful. And the players, they go up, and they try to negotiate with this tribeswoman, Ida, who they had countered so long ago. And they were afraid that she was going to become a thorn in their side and of course she did and they try to negotiate with her and she's like we're this is no this only ends one way and we all know oh no i built a map 
You're not <laughs> negotiating with my back. Now, now, see, I would. I'm not that guy. If my players threw me for a loop and they had some great argument or great point or some brilliant assassination attempt, whatever, man, I don't care. Or this just is, not show up. Yeah. Or just avoid the fight. Yeah. Right. That would be the other thing. And you know, I've been like, oh well, it was a pretty table. Take your pictures. We're gonna clean it up, and we're gonna go on our way. But yeah, they absolutely. I mean, they annihilated mm. these tribes, yeah. folks. It was fantastic. So, Sergeant, you hit on something I was thinking about too. Is this is a great way to get this information from your players? You know what they want you to explore. How as a GM do you get that information back to them? Because I know when I'm running a game, usually there'll be a couple things that I've kind of seeded out that I'd really like to just come out and say, "Hey, look over there." <laughs> and I know we've done that to you, Chad. Oh, absolutely. I know you've dropped mm-hmm. plot things so, that you really want us to tie on, and we're just like, "So, the, so what? What, what you guys do it in the games that I run? It's it's just like, yeah, I, I drop these. Well, what I think and I hope are really obvious plot beacons, right? That I'm not going to make you go to. Yeah. Well, and, and sometimes out of character, we want to go. Yeah. But in character, it makes no sense for our characters you to do it. You guys are task oriented. I mean, you guys might have parties and you might be bon vivants and you might not care about this and that. But when the objectives are on the table, it is about efficiency and about achieving of these objectives and about looking at risk versus reward. And honestly, this group is very risk averse. And so going to the objectives and the goals are known quantity. So these plot threads that are dangling out here that might be interesting, well, they're interesting because they're unknown quantity. The whole thing isn't written on a billboard. It's just a hint of a thing that you can go and chase down. And because they are so risk-averse and so goal and objective-oriented, when they're on mission and on point, they walk right by those. So more and more, I'm having to put those interesting plots right in front of them or maybe give them a buffet. Like It's like, okay, here's all these plots. Anyone you want, or something you could think of, but anyone you want. And then they pick one, and then we can go. Is that. that part of the game mechanics, too? No. Because I understand, listen, mm-hmm. you talk about Blades in the Dark, where you got the clocks and stuff yeah. and everything else. If that's part so of... The, the genius of Blades in the Dark is that it seems like a very skin-of-your-teeth, very brutal, very dangerous game. Yeah, I understand mechanics. It's really difficult for you to do anything to us. Like Pat, God love him, he complains about having to get rid of his stress and his character getting hurt and permanent injury to his character and all this sort of stuff and not being able to mitigate it and not being able to do anything about it. And, you know, you got to go easy on it. And he's super risk averse when it comes around to it. And I've actually sat there and tried to explain it to him a couple times. Like, Pat, do you understand that that's all an illusion. I mean, not, oh, we're in a role-playing game, it's not real. I mean, like, in the rules, it's actually incredibly difficult for the game master to hurt the players in Blades in the Dark. And But the game does such a good job because the clocks are so visceral and in your face. Having to roll above a 12 on a D20 because of this algebra equation that you figured out in your head is hard to conceptualize it's a fun game i'm hitting him with my axe and that's fun i roll the dice and i got it yay but that's not visceral so what adds to that visceral feel of it being you know so difficult is that the very nature of this game is success with consequence yes because the gm never rolls anything a lot of times when you're rolling you're getting what you're going for Mm -hmm. but with a consequence unless you roll a six on a d6 Something bad is going to happen or there's going to be a side effect. And I think that even though you, that's not that, the example that big of a deal, that makes it feel more like it is. You're a thief picking a lock and there's a guard coming. And it's like, if the guard wasn't coming, I would say, oh, yeah, you you eventually, you're a thief, you're a professional, you pick it eventually. No problem. There's no pressure. You just do it. We're not even going to roll. Don't worry about it. You, no. You're in the door. There's a guard coming. You hear his footsteps. He's approaching. You're the only one here. The other team is on another floor. You don't know what's behind the door. The guard has a lantern. You see the light growing. Roll for that. Roll to get through this lock because he's going to find you if you don't. And so it's like, oh, my God, I got, and I, I'm going to burn stress. I'm going to make a devil's bargain. I'm going to ah, I got to get as many dice as I can. And I roll it because it, it, the tension is and there. You get a five and you get a five. You don't get a six. So you do it. You pick the lock, you're in, you avoid the guard, but, but something happens. And that's where the real tension comes in. The door squeaks, your lock 
it opens, but the lock pick breaks, breaking the lock. So if the guard checks the doorknob, it's just going to open up where he's expecting a locked door. There's something bad on the inside. You drop your lock pick and the guard's going to see it. Something like that. Yeah. For a certain kind of player, a mechanic like that makes it feel like they're never winning. Right. Because they don't think they're winning unless it's a complete and total win. And, and that's Pat, why some of the... Well, Pat the mechanic is, like is very interesting. Yeah. Some players really have an issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Pat struggles with that concept. Because the way the game is set up is that, okay, so you roll that five, so you do it, and you do it is in bold letters. It's That's a mechanical thing. You do it. But there is a consequence. The consequence, again, is in bold letters as a mechanical part of the game. You have things you can do to mitigate consequence. I wish to resist the consequence. I say, the lockpick broke. In the lock, you make it in. Okay, I'm going to resist the consequence of that. So I'm going to roll my stress. I'm going to roll a resistance to that. And I do it, I take X amount of stress, and then the player turns around and says, oh, you know, you think that the lock pick broke and the lock broke the lock, but no, really, it's one of those through and through locks you can see through, and then my lock pick just zip right on through the lock and it's clattered on the floor, and I roll in and the guard doesn't see me. But I took a bunch of stress to do that. Or I have an ability that let me push a button that lets me mitigate it in certain situations. And, and as long as it, those mechanics are there yeah. to mitigate it, but you're still taking... Some type of consequence to it. That's good, and that's fine. Because stress isn't exactly your hit points, but it's basically your hit points. It's your hit points for situations. Do you find that taxing to every time the players make a roll, you have to come up with some, if they fail, or sorry, if they do it, but... Do it, but I enjoy it because I'm such an ad-lib, off-the-cuff type of person. It really works for me. I could see how that would be really difficult for other people. Sometimes we'll suggest something to him. Sometimes yep. he takes it. Sometimes he doesn't. So do you as players at the table, do you guys ever just wish it could be an all or nothing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Sometimes more some players more than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I like the mechanics to a degree. Mm-hmm. I like it better on games like Monster Heart or some of the others where there's a larger range of success and failure. Yeah. Even though it's basically the same thing. Yeah. It just feels like there's a larger range of it. I also had to change the rules for this group too, because they are, I know they're risk averse and they like success. So there's three different layers of success. There's a, you're in control. There's a risky situation. And then there's a desperate situation. And as you go up, the roles become harder and the, you do it, but the but, the consequence, is worse and harder. And like when you're in the desperate situation, the consequences can actually become injurious and deadly and sort of thing. Uh, and you do things to mitigate that. It's interesting because I don't find myself as a player to be particularly risk averse. Mm-hmm. So my character is always the one that's stressed out more than everyone yep. else. And mm-hmm. I'm the only one that was willing to take a trauma yeah, and it, keep it. And role play with it. And get experience for role-playing your trauma. I had to change the rules because on a one, two, and three, you fail. A four and a five, uh, you do it, but. And then on a six, you do it. Yeah, you gave us two. I basically, I flattened the curve for this group in, in a dominant position because I know my group. They want to succeed more than they want to fail. And there's nothing wrong with that. Despite this, you still somehow screwed up the game on Sunday. I did screw up the game on Sunday. I have no idea how you think you so, screwed up the game on Sunday, but... And it was interesting, too, because mm-hmm. that, that was a good transition earlier when we were talking about in the car afterward, yeah. how you beat yourself up, because I'm that same game yeah. master. Yeah. So out of curiosity, game, after the game, what does everyone do? Because for me, as soon as I've run a game, as soon as it's over, I go through a couple of thoughts. My first thought is, thank God it's over mm-hmm. and I did it. My second and every thought after that for the next five minutes is everything I did wrong. Uh and- Dawn and I have a 30-minute drive home, and we game on Sunday, and on Sunday nights when we leave on NPR, there is a phenomenal jazz show called Jazz Unlimited with Dennis Owsley, award-winning. Greatest voice in radio. If you like any kind of jazz, imagine having the encyclopedia of jazz running a jazz show, and it is Wonderful. And they do podcasts, by the way. If you want to listen, you can listen to them. You don't have to be in St. Louis. Anyway, that is Dawn and I's tradition is that when we go home, 
because we listen to music on her uh, MP3 player and stuff. We turn on Jazz Unlimited and listen to awesome jazz on the way home. So it really puts us in a good mood anyway. Um, and we, Dawn and I talk about the game. And most of the time, I think, damn, I'm really good. This is like <laughs> the best game I've ever ran in my life. Because currently, this Blades in the Dark game is the best game I've ever ran in my life. And we talk about how cool the players are, like all the cool stuff that they did, all the interesting reveals. Uh, we also kibitz about the other players, too. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe so-and-so wants to kill so-and-so. Like, our ongoing joke between Dawn and I is that I cannot put a female character into the game without the party wanting to kill the female character. And it's not the guys. It's all the girls want to kill every female character I put in the game. And I'm trying out these different kinds of female characters. And I came so close two games ago i introduced a female character that i thought they would like and it was so close and they were role-playing with her and it was great and then they're like okay we'll see you later bye and we're gonna go back home okay bye and then they leave and then the first thing out of one of my players mouth was man we're gonna screw her over so bad we're gonna kill her ass and i'm like oh come on it is hilarious because this is a trend across many games yes i have successfully introduced a female npc that everyone loved but I've only done it once. I don't. Oh, that's my goal for this game is to figure out the magic formula for the female character. It's that, the queen bee syndrome. I think so, man. I don't know. Because again, the, it's not well, the guy. The only way I introduced. Because we're 50, 50, 50. Half women, half men. The only way I introduced one and everyone loves it is she was the down and out druggie. Yes. Oh, she, she became she the was one the that puppy. they all wanted she to was, take care of. She was the rescue puppy. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the, this game that I ran last Sunday, and this is actually kind of the main topic, because last Sunday on the way home, I got very angry with myself. I was kicking myself in the butt because the players were doing great. Yeah. And to give in mind, this last Sunday, he introduced a plot that, at least for me, I, my character really caught on to. Yep. I have no idea what he thinks he screwed up because for me, I was thinking that was really good. I, I'm really getting into so this. So tell us, how did you screw up? <laughs> so it's a murder mystery is what is. The strays have territory, strays the gang. The strays have territory. And this is sort of a Victorian-esque London, but it's not London. It's not Victorian. It's a totally different world, blah, blah, blah. But it's sort of this, you know, steampunk kind of really dark elder god sort of shit going on. And so I introduced a serial killer and I introduced a mystery to it, to the game. In their territories, a prostitute had been brutally murdered and marked. And I started dropping clues. Now, I don't think I've ever done a straight up mystery. Now, there's mystery in my games and stuff, just like any game, but a am talking a whodunit style mystery. This is the first time I think I've ever done that. So I have like a lot of clues. I know who did it. I know why they did it. And it's a twist. And it's completely unexpected, sort of, it's going to be this big reveal, right? And we had, there's a halfway point in any game. Like if you game six hours, three hours in is going to be your halfway point. Or maybe there's like the momentum of the story is your halfway point. Five minutes before our dinner break, I realized that my mystery had a gigantic logic hole in it. It made zero sense. Like on first <laughs> blush, it worked out when I was writing everything down. Suddenly I realized that I screwed up how an aspect I would be more specific, but Wayne is sitting right here and I know Wayne loves <laughs> mysteries and his character's yep. really into it. There's a way the world works. There's way things in the world work and the clues are starting to point to this thing how everybody knows it works and i suddenly realized that all my clues that are leading to it that's actually not how it works at all and it involves like the paranormal and it involves how people treat the paranormal and how the paranormal treat other people and it's we've role played this out we've encountered this this is a known quantity that they have dealt with that's a bedrock of the world for me to change would be for me to screw them. And the logic of my mystery, which was incorrect, did that. It flipped it and changed it. And I realized it in the middle of running the game. And I'm like, what 
have I done? So was that another reason we didn't get back to the game after dinner? I was thinking to myself, okay, I can do this. I can change it. I just have to ad lib it. I just have to make it work. I'm like, I just need a little bit of time. And so I looked at the clock like, hey, guys, let's go to dinner. Oh, okay. Well, where do you want to go? We want to go here. We want to go there. How about we go to that one place with the really slow service? Okay, that's always really crowded. We have to wait for it. Yeah, I love that place. I was wondering why you suggested there. Yeah, because I was in a pure, unadulterated panic. And because I was panicking, I was like, all I need is time. All I need is time, just an, a little bit of time, and I know I can figure this out. And then we but, come back, and it's conversation after conversation. And, 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 you know you know how you conversate in the game yeah. master, like, okay, guys, let's... Let's buckle down and do this. And everyone's like, yeah, let's go. I did not do that because because I panicked. I could not think of the fix. Has this ever happened to you before? Because normally no. your games are a lot more off the cuff to begin with. Right. This is the most planning I've ever seen you do for a game. Yes. He does game prep. He sinks it. He comes in. Occasionally, he'll be doing game prep in the beginning to make sure everything's set up. And, and already, prep. sir, what have you done with Chad? <laughs> yeah, I have never seen Chad run a game like this before, and it is a very good game. And th even the, the notes that I take when I'm there, it's not notes of what we're doing with the game. It's proper nouns. Because when I did the notes, I'm like, okay, gang A is fighting gang B for plot MacGuffin C. And then when I sit down, I'm like, okay... Gang A's name was, their leader's name was, Gang B's name is this, the proper name of the MacGuffin is this. So I have do, 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 and I can just say, so I don't go, um, that guy with the thing, because I definitely have done that. Oh, yeah. Game before. I have to say, if I had to give you one criticism as a GM on your past games, it's what you just hit yeah. on. That really takes me out of the oh, game absolutely. sometimes when you're just struggling. So for the a game. the king of uh, what's it? Uh, and he's got the sword that uh, sings. No, it glows. That glows, and uh, he's gonna come down. He's gonna he's gonna stab you with it. Um, it's because, like the ten thousand dollar pyramid, right? Of gaming. Yeah, and it's just like oh. But that doesn't happen with this game. Nope. I have all my notes. Here, here's the question. Yeah. Okay, you have a hole in the logic that. Mm -hmm something does not work right and would keep the consistency is there something within the world that could make it look like that yes absolutely and that's where i went with it at the end of jazz unlimited when dawn and I are pulling off our exit and i'm kicking myself in the ass i'm relating to dawn i'm like i'm hating myself right now I'm not a person who hates myself because I'm a really great guy and I'm very charming and intelligent and funny. Uh, so you forgot handsome. I am <laughs> handsome. And so I don't really get down on myself very much. And I'm telling Don, I'm like, I just was very angry with myself because I didn't talk to her the whole way. She was great, but I was just so pissed at myself. I already know how I can fix this. The next game will be fine because I know how to fix this. In fact, because I was thinking of how to fix this, I've taken a one night, let's get back to gaming adventure, and I'm expanding it to this big thing that is involving these other NPCs. Because like you said, is there this thing that it could look like? Yes, it is. That involves these other NPCs that they dealt with a couple months ago that I can bring round again and be like, oh, my God, sort of thing. So it's salvaged. Well, so, yes. You know the saying that the forest for the trees? Yeah. That's the trees. What really made me mad was not the logic hole that I put in there and dropping the ball for one episode. The real problem was that we have not consistently game for like a month or two. And I felt like every time we tried to game, the game was moving in inches. And the last time we tried to game, I made an agreement with the players that I don't want to see cell phones at the table. All right. And if I see cell phones at the table, I'm not going to run the game. And because they're too distracting, I can get into how they're all distracting and that would just be a bitch fest, but they are. And they, everyone agreed to it. This was something that our group has had a problem yes. with in the past. I've had a problem with it. Everybody's had problems. I didn't yes. point it out when I was running the game before this, yeah. but I was thinking it too. Chad's just the first one, because he was starting a new game, he had the opportunity to say, mm -hmm. okay, here's the ground rules of the new game. Yeah. See, along and with a stenographer. <laughs> so when I'm, when I'm super rich, I'm going to yeah. have a gaming stenographer. <laughs> so we're like, absolutely. Excuse me. Uh, you know, and I'm just picking a woman's name. Don't call me a sexist again. Uh, but I'm like, uh, Karen, what was that? 
Um, Rengar did 83 points of delicious damage, you know, but then I want to have the mafioso goon outside the game room with the box, right? Yeah. You don't go to talk to the boss without leaving your phone. Phone. Yeah. You don't get in the room without, but you gotta leave your phone. So no phones in the room. And not to lay this all on them and their cell phones, but it, the cell That's phone, right, because Dawn uses a laptop, not a cell phone. Dawn uses a laptop and not a cell phone. She thinks, she believes I can't see it because she sits on the end of the table. Honestly, you are the best, Wayne, mm-hmm. because you're right there. Because yeah, you, you're, you're here in this room now. No, no, <laughs> yeah. he understands. Yeah. He's yeah. been a victim of it. Yeah. When I sit down, I have a charger for my phone off on the side. Mm-hmm. Phone comes out, goes on the charger, sits there. Yep. And I try not to touch it. If something goes off, I may quickly check to make sure that it's not like a text from my mom or something. Right. But I don't read it. Absolutely. I just check yeah. it. And I don't get on my phone. I have a laptop in front of me. I don't surf Facebook or Reddit or anything. I mean, if we're just talking, waiting for people to show up or pizza to arrive, whatever. But if we're in game, I don't surf that. Even though I have the full internet in front of me on a laptop, I don't do it. Even though they cannot see my screen, I still don't do it because it's a fairness thing for me. And because I don't feel that I would have the right to tell them not to do it. But anyway, like I said, the cell phones were just a symptom. The problem is, is that we've missed so many games because people got sick and then there are holidays and then people went on travel and then more people got sick. Dawn got strep. And when we had games, the, the plot moved in inches. And I like to have a really rollicking game. And last week we tried to play and I sat down and the cell phones came out. And again, I'm not ragging on the cell phone thing. It's a symptom. The cell phones came out and people didn't know what was going on. I'm trying to say, okay, you guys are having a meeting to decide what to do next. And then whatever you decide, I'm delivering that to you in force. And nobody's... Well, uh, and from a player standpoint, I know the, the players talked a little about that. Yeah. None of us were feeling the meeting either. Right. So right. It, as we're trying to talk, it's a... We kind of needed something to blow up. Yeah. Well, mm. one of the things on Friday nights... I go to the local gaming store in Raleigh, mm-hmm. and we have literally, if everybody shows up, 10 people. Yeah. If we get that many, we break up into two groups. We have more than enough game masters. The problem is the amount of games, mm-hmm. trying to track yeah. every bit of it. And it's just as distracting because, okay, I got Champions Game and stuff, a lot of melodrama going on, great interaction. To get back into it now, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah. It just moves in inches. inches. Oh, it that- is just as a game master, that kills me. It's not a fault or blame thing. And, and I want to make that really clear, yeah. too. And I'm, you're going to have to struggle with it again, because you're about to have yep. another week of no gaming. Yeah, and I want to make that 100, and because Pat's not here, 110% clear that it's not <laughs> it's, a blame thing. It's not possible. It's an yeah. archetype. <laughs> I'm not saying, they're on cell phones, so they're assholes, and it's my game, and my game's great, and they should just come and, you know, be wonderful. I get it. I understand. And to pull it all back, again, the forest for the trees, the real problem, the real problem was not the plot hole. The real problem was that last week we could not get a game off the ground because nobody was feeling their their noses were in their cell phones. We were moving the game by inches. We had had a lot of time off. And then finally, almost everyone was around the table. We were ready to game and nobody was feeling it. This game on Sunday was the explosion. This was the thing. This was the explosion. We had a little bit of meeting because that's where I kind of wanted to start off with. And then there is a murder in your territory. One of the streetwalkers. Now, remember, these are criminals. They're gangs. Wayne's character controls the prostitution in the area. And And she created the brothel because she wanted to protect. In her own weird way, she was protecting the girls. Yeah, she wanted to give them a safe place where they could work. And now somebody on the street... Someplace warm to blow dudes. Got it. <laughs> well, someplace, where somebody on the where street... Where it isn't slavery, where they can come yeah. and go, where they're not getting killed. Yeah, so, I mean, that's her big thing. These are her friends, and now some of the ones on the street that she hasn't been able to get off the street and get mm-hmm. into safety are being targeted. Yep. And Pat himself is a white knight. It brought him in. Beth likes to... Her big thing is when she sees people in need, as a person, when she sees people in need, she's got to help them. Dawn... Just likes punching things a lot. And Sarah wasn't there, so I can't comment. I believe Sarah would have gotten into this as well. It was a good plot hook to grab all of us for different reasons. Yep. And this was the explosion that was going to make it happen and that was going to bring the game back. And I f***ed it up. And that's why I was so angry with myself. I don't think the game's dead, and it's not their fault. And again, I don't believe in blame. I hate blame. But but Uh. in the same token... 
you made the mistake. You yeah. screwed up. It got you to sit down mm-hmm. and really think about the game world, yeah. the mechanics, the continuity of the game world. And because you screwed up, now look what you've got. You've got these other elements that mm-hmm. are being able to be drugged back in. And a lot of times we all get hard on ourselves. And just to take that time to, okay... What can I do to salvage this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many times have we given that advice on the podcast? Yeah. Of take a bathroom break, go out <laughs> to dinner, just say, okay, you guys got to a good spot. I need to think about this. We always give that advice, <laughs> but then when it comes time for you right. to use it. We also tell people to do like fill out this group template thing. I, I've never done that in my life. <laughs> I think another important point is that you haven't gotten to the point where it's irreparable, right? No. I mean, Wayne's here. When did even know? Because right. we haven't got the big You haven't reveal. gotten that mm-hmm. far yet, right? So you saw the pitfall coming, yeah. and now you can circumvent it. Right. Right. Which I think that, you know, that's the most important thing for me as a game mm-hmm. master. When I look at a situation like this where I think I've made a mistake, most of what's going on, and I don't use a game master screen, yeah. but most of what's going on is behind the proverbial screen. Right. And the players don't even know mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm feeling anxious about this or I'm not prepared yeah. for that. Don't or pay what attention have you. to the man behind the curtain. Yep. Yeah. Precisely. And you so grabbed the hook that grabbed all of the players. Mm-hmm. Now you just need to figure out what to do with that. <laughs> yeah. And I think what Dan said is really pertinent too is that you know you gave you you know this i hate to sound all businessy but Mm -hmm. you know you this problem was really an opportunity for you to look to dig a little bit deeper with your world Mm -hmm. your greatest success will come from your worst mistakes yeah yeah and this was a pretty i hope that's true in my personal life (laughs) (laughs) for you no Uh, well yeah because i i tell you what (laughs) anyway well okay wayne what was your opinion of the game though no, I thought the session was good. I was just disappointed we didn't get back into it after yeah. eating. Now I know why. And I was watching it. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. he's picking there. I didn't think anyone really cared for that. <laughs> but oh, well. Yeah. And then we come back. It's like he's spending an awful lot of time talking to Pat about Windows 10. <laughs> yeah. I kind of <sighs> picked up on something, but I didn't put it together until mm-hmm. we sit here. And then you say that you were basically stalling for time. Yeah. I see out. it now. Freaking I would have never put it together yeah. in my head that that's I what I put you on were a doing good now. facade. Right. right. I, I could be totally flipping out, and I'm just like, whatever. The, the curtain's the up. Don't yeah. pay attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> right. I love the plot that you presented. Mm-hmm. The uh, the story, My not only me as a player, my character got into that story. Like, me as a player, I know things that I think could probably actually help finding the answer. Yeah. That wasn't what my character would have done. No. My character was completely ineffective on searching for clues, but she did what she would have done. Totally effective at scaring violent Johns. Yes. And that's the direction that she went. Because Wayne's that's what character, she would have done. they're all like gathering the clues, right? And figure out who did this. Wayne's character questions all of these prostitutes with the eye of, oh, I'm going to find out who the violent Johns are. And then we'll make a list, right? No, he's making a revenge list for himself. Yeah. He uses his abilities to find them, sneak into their houses, and carve a V on their foreheads. For violent. violent. And then spreads that anybody with a V on their forehead hurts girls. Avoid them at all costs. That's my character's take. It Mm. doesn't help us find the answer in any way, but that's what she does to react. She is protecting Mm -hmm. the girls as best she can, and that's her way of doing it. Yeah, And not to metagame like that either, because you're not the investigator. Right. Mm -hmm. But it gives an element to the story that you're all creating that. And he works it in. Pat's character is reading a newspaper the next day. There are things in the newspaper from what everyone did. And there's an article about upstanding citizens having V's carved into their head. <laughs> yeah. I was just waiting for Pat looks in the mirror and there's a <laughs> What the? <laughs> I did like that because the newspaper made all of the victims with the V on their forehead as these upstanding pillars of society. These girls, why do they have these V's on their head? These are the worst scumbags on the neighborhood. Yeah, and that was what my way of telling the other characters too because the other characters had no idea what yeah. I was doing. I just The headline was Pat's You Do It by but he told the eels, which is the kid gang in our world, to basically, I want you to go around all the ladies of the night and tell them that there's somebody out there. Don't go with Johns you're not familiar with. Try and stay in groups. Let it, you know, do some streetwalker safety here and just keep an eye out. 
Well, he rolled it, which was a you do it, but so the girls were safe. They were keeping an eye out for each other, but the eels got really excited about, oh my God, there's a serial killer. It's like a penny dreadful. This is great. (laughs) And so they started telling everybody and the story blew up in the paper. So they're trying to keep it on the down low and it's the front page headline. Right. Chad, I wish I could think of examples of this, but I know, I know in the past couple of campaigns Mm -hmm. that I've run, both of them, I had one of those type of moments that you're describing Mm -hmm. where I realized that something I had laid out didn't work logically with the way the world works or the way Mm -hmm. something had been happening. Yeah. One of the big ones I do remember in the, the noir superhero game, I was playing around with the concept of alternate realities. You know, I always watch and read the comic stories of the world has changed to an alternate reality Somebody makes it through, rallies everyone together, and they change it back. So I wanted to play with the idea of you live in this world. Somebody just came and told you that your world's been changed, but it's your world. Mm -hmm. They're not a bad guy, but they want your world to go away so their world can come in. And that means you go away. Now, there's another you, but that you isn't you as you know yourself. Yep. And I wanted to play with that a lot. And there were a few mistakes I made with how I had laid it out and the logical consistency of the world to the point that by the end, instead of being an alternate reality, I made both worlds, neither one be the correct one. Mm -hmm. And I got kind of away from that concept I wanted, but it was because I had done the same thing. I laid something out, something came to a reveal and I realized that doesn't work. (laughs) That doesn't work anymore. Now we certainly physicists. We are not. (laughs) Yeah. We certainly didn't notice. You did a good job of moving the pieces around, as it were. Basically, it was the same thing that you're saying here. It's like, what was originally happening has now changed. Now, neither world is the right world. Mm -hmm. The world will be whatever happens when the campaign ends. (laughs) Right. So I think the advice then sounds like, Mm -hmm. you know, give yourself a solid debrief. Yeah. You've got if you've got somebody that you can talk to about the game after the game, that's helpful for me. It's While some cool jazz is playing for. Yeah, yeah, for me, it's always going over my notes after the game. Yeah. Right. So I, I try to do a debrief, you know, session notes and then email it to everybody in the group where, OK, game session this date. Here are the major bullet points that occurred mm-hmm. and the major points of interest that we should, you know, make sure that we have committed, you know, to our notes for next time and for future reference. And then the players can say, oh, well, you forgot about the conversation with this NPC or this thing that my character was yeah. doing or the thing that so and so's character was doing. You know, I find that really helpful. And mm-hmm. then I can think about it and go, OK, did I F anything up? <laughs> and then what can I do about yeah. avoiding that F up? So what the f- you, you say F now and you say f- f- yeah. <laughs> maggot ridden, whatever. I mean, <laughs> oh, and somebody just got that from Patreon. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, was it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> I think the overall advice here seems to be when you run into these situations, they can be an opportunity, right? Yeah. But you still got to kick yourself in the ass, too. Yes. Because if you don't take responsibility for it, if you, I think that if somebody came to me and just told me the story that they told me and the, their attitude was like, yeah, I screwed it up, but whatever, they didn't notice. We'll just roll with it next week. Eh, that person doesn't well, then you're not committed, care right? enough. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You don't yeah. you know, give it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not, I'm not thinking about where I could have been better yeah. or where I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My players, this game is not in their wheelhouse. I pitched an idea, and this is not their normal, usual type of game, and they took a risk, conceptually. They took a risk on my idea for a game, and they went into it whole hog. So the minimum I owe them is a phenomenal game. And a blowjob. And maybe a blowjob. I'll compromise on a tug. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and with that, check the show notes for Tsunami Con. (laughs) <laughs> and for the RPG Academy Network, my 2017 FEMA LARP. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next week. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.